Jesus said in John chapter 12, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. That's what Jesus said. and That's what we're trying to do here at Emmanuel. Hello, my name's Pastor Bob Gray, and I'm glad that you've taken the time to join us for one of our services. Our goal here at Emmanuel is to lift up Christ, to lift him up so high that no matter where you're at right now, he will draw you closer to him. That's our goal. May you enjoy the services of Emmanuel. And if I can be of service to you, please let me know. God bless you. Enjoy the service. Inside this room are individuals that have the power of God resting on the inside. This is one powerful room. The power in this room right here, this world needs. It needs. But it doesn't need it to be covered up doesn't need the power that lives on the inside of you to be something that's silent. Doesn't need, this power does not need to just exist on Sunday and then you put it into the closet and you only bring it back out when you come to church. This power should be your shoes that you walk in every day you live. We started a series probably three weeks ago concerning the crucified life. I did not mean for it to be a series. I only meant to give you one portion of seven thoughts. But now we're on thought number three. Take your Bibles, go to Galatians chapter 2 and verse number 20. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. One verse talking about the crucified life, living a crucified life, not a crucifixion life. These are two different lives. A crucified life is defined here in Galatians chapter 2. And if you'll please look with me at verse number 17. And we're going to start there. Galatians chapter 2 verse 17. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners, is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. What it simply means is, is that the closer you get to Christ for your soul's salvation, the more you're going to realize what a sinner you are. Is Christ about the sin that you've discovered? No. Christ is all about the solution for your sin, and that is grace. There are people sitting in this auditorium that when you woke up today, your whole, whole probably your going forward is to escape something back here. Listen, Christ helps you escape that through salvation. That's what is being said here. Look at verse 18. For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. I, through the law, am dead to the law that I might live unto God. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but, I, but Christ liveth in me in the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God. Would you please read the last phrase with me, please? Who loved me and what? Gave himself for me. This is how we are to live. The next verse says this, I do not frustrate the grace of God. This grace that saved us, this grace that found us, this grace that gave us this relief from the condemnation of the dark nights. Listen, everybody sitting here has days you wish you could take back. We just don't talk about them. We look good right now. We're sitting here and we smell good right now. We, it's, a, it's a Sunday, but I will tell you this, that this grace that saved us, this is how we're supposed to live. 
Please listen to the pastor this morning because you may forget me, but never forget this. Listen, look what it said there in the very last verse. I do not frustrate the grace of God. What it means is this. Don't take this wonderful grace that saved you and set it to the side and try to live without God. Let me tell you, the same grace that saved you is the same grace you're supposed to live in each and every day. That condemnation that is, was ours because we're sinners. We no longer have to experience that condemnation. We shouldn't be living underneath the shadow of condemnation each and every day we live. That's why he said, I, I, I live the crucified life. It's not a trip to Calvary. It's a trip past Calvary. And it's a trip to the resurrection. And we're supposed to live on the other side in the newness of life. When you think about the two truths we've already talked about, and I would encourage you to go back and listen to it, you're going to find out that the crucified life is yielding to the timing of God's will. You've already settled that God's number one in your life. You have already settled that you want God to be who God needs to be. That's why you're here this morning. Now it's a matter of sitting in the waiting room of life and saying this. The crucified life is saying, God, let this cup pass from me. God, the timing of what I know, what I need to do. This was Christ. And when you walk from the Garden of Gethsemane, to the Emmaus Road, there are seven things that help us live the crucified life. The second thing that we talked about last week was we talked about how do you respond the right way in circumstances. I was able to look into the face of a young adult lady this past week and, and I watched the tears flow down her face. Because as I was talking yesterday, last week, just about betrayal and, and, and about going through circumstances, but I can tell you, standing here right now, living the crucified life is how do you respond going through difficult times? Listen, Christ showed us how to respond. He called the betrayer friend. He did not let Peter fight a battle. And this is the crucified life. But it is a life of joy. It is a life of something that you and I are supposed to live. Now let's look at the third thing, if you will, and go to Matthew chapter 27, because this has been our footprint. And please, I cannot stress this enough. The happiest Christians in this room should be the Christians that are walking through difficult times. This is Christ. You know what he said to us? He said, for the joy that was set before me in Hebrews chapter 12. And hit Psalms chapter 40 in verse number 8, I delight to do thy will. Matthew chapter 27, verse 32. Now we have come to this portion of the scripture to where now Simon of Cyrene is bearing the cross. Are y'all with me? Matthew chapter 27 and verse 32. And as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name, him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they were coming to a place called Golgotha, that is to say, a place of a skull. They gave him vinegar to drink, mingled with gall, and when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. And they crucified him, imparted his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled which were spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. And sitting down, they watched him there, and set up over his head his accusation written, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then were there two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand and the other on the left. And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest in three days, save thyself if thou be the Son of God. Come down from the cross. 
Likewise, also the chief priests mocking him with the scribes and elders said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. He trusted in God, let him deliver him now. If he will have him, for he said, I am the son of God. The thieves also, which were crucified with him, cast the same in his teeth. You're going to find out that this crucified life is the difficulty that we walk through for the resurrected life that we are going to live. You'll always be going through difficult times. If you think this difficult time is done, not so. Not so. But the more difficulty you go through, the happier you should be on the next difficulty that you go through. Listen, this is what this would you you have this power. And and Christians live this thumb-sucking life to where it's always a woe is me. It's always, everything's always going bad. Why is it always happening to me? Let me tell you something. When we live this way, you are always going to be on the cross. The reason that cross is empty right there is because he came down off the bloody mess that was on that cross, and now he lives a glorified, resurrected life, and this is where he wants us to live. But most Christians live there on the cross. If you were to wear a crucifix around your neck, it would be you on that cross. Because we don't know how to handle difficult times. The crucified life is you coming out of that garden of Gethsemane and saying, God, I'm not discussing with you, do I want to live for you? I'm telling you, I'm going to live for you. You just got to help me as I go forward living for you. And then when you live for the Lord, listen to this, you should not be burning bridges as you live for the Lord. He, Christ came to save the people who arrested him. This is why he said, put up your sword, Peter. Put it up. Because this person's not my battle. I'm headed someplace. And now when you go through difficult times, now... I want to talk to you about the crucified life on the third truth on this journey. And there'll be four more to go. I'll skip the one for next week because of Easter. But here's the third truth. In the story that we just read, I want to preach to you this morning on this subject, the crucified, living the crucified life, the reality. Boy, listen to this, the reality. There's one obscure verse in the whole crucifixion story that is not given prominence or preeminence like it should. And that verse is found in verse 34. Would you look there? And they gave him, verse 34, he is at the place of the skull, verse 33. They gave him, look at this, vinegar to drink, mingled with gall, and when he had tasted thereof, would you please read the last phrase with me? He would not drink. Would you take your Bibles and go to Proverbs 31.6? This is referenced in Proverbs 31.6. It was part of putting someone to death. Proverbs chapter 31 and verse number 6. And let's read the first line together out loud. Proverbs 31, 6. Proverbs 31, 6. Are you there? Ready? Begin. Give strong drink unto him that is ready to... Now go back to Matthew, if you will. 
Here you have Christ on the cross. Here you have he's coming out of the Garden of Gethsemane, now has been betrayed by a friend with a kiss. We are learning how to live the crucified life. We are learning how to live through difficult times. When you and I live through difficult times, listen, there should be this yielding. God, what are you trying to do in my life? And God, I'll let your timing be where it needs to be. And then living this crucified life is where you do not look at the people that you think are the cause of the circumstance, and you do not look at them as the enemy. But you look at the people that are involved in the circumstance as nothing more than this. I am going to live in such a way that resurrection is the end result, not crucifixion. Most Christian lives only stop at Golgotha's Hill. They cannot seem to get past it. And they're always living in this sin, in this forgiveness, in this sin, in this forgiveness, in this betrayal, and they got drama. It's all about drama. Living the crucified life is when you get on the other side and then you realize how Christ handled this to the road of Emmaus is how we must live. And I want to come to you this morning and tell you this. Don't run from the reality of your difficult time right now. Christ was in the middle of being crucified. They wanted to give him vinegar mingled with gall. This must have been from somebody who was kind. The crucifixion was such a horrendous and horrific thing that they would do. We all know, and it doesn't go into very much detail here in this passage, but we know that what Christ suffered on the cross, that the Old Testament tells us that his visage, his, his mere looking upon him, you could not even tell he was human with the cat of nine tails. We know this, the pain and the agony, not only the sorrow of your sins and mine yet to be born. Think about this. He gathered all the sins of mankind. We look at how out of control this world is right now. He took how out of control this world is right now with how out of control Hitler was and how out of control every, every maniac coming down through history. And guess what he did? He took it from Adam to the very much the end time and he took it all and this was what he bore on the cross. Listen, he did this for us. You take into account this, and then you take into account physically what he went through. Always remember that this God was man and God, and he was on the cross, and he was sitting there. But he showed us the reality, and he said this when they gave him this vinegar, drinked with gall. It was a compound, and what they would do is they would give this to condemned persons that it would help them alleviate their suffering. It would help disturb their intellect. We live in such a modern age that many of us who have had surgery, we know that the, 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 the most important person in that operating room is the anesthesiologist. Can I get an amen on that one? Amen. Praise God they don't give you a piece of leather and say, bite down. That's the happy man. He's got the happy juice. And when they put that IV in your arm, and you know that you're getting ready to go through. I was standing up here one day, and 
we were baptized and I simply turned and came back and I had a hernia that erupted in, 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 my, in my stomach. And all of a sudden, going home, it was like, I don't touch, I couldn't even unbutton my shirt. Went to the hospital that afternoon and that nurse asked what was going on and the doctor asked and I told him what was going on and they said, well, it, it kind of sounds like that you have an umbilical hernia uh, that we kind of need to get on like right now. But let's give you some morphine and let's see what this does. So they gave me a shot of morphine and I'm seeing white elephants and I'm seeing pink elephants and everything is like 3D. I'm watching TV and people are coming through the TV and they're oh, 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 oh. And then that nurse comes up and she takes her elbow and she leans on my stomach and I go, oh, get your elbow off or I'm going to knock you out. And she said, obviously, you need more medicine. You know what my thought was? Obviously, you need another course in bedside manners. <laughs> Jesus was on the cross. They give him this gall. Now, I want you to notice the wording. And when he had tasted. You know what he realized, although he was God, he knew what was in the cup. Here's what he said. Uh, 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 and here's the sermon. That's a narcotic. If I'm going to go through difficult times, I want to be fully awake and I want to be fully aware. I'm not going to run from reality. I understand when a family says, our schedule's been tough, let's just get out of town. I understand it. When, and it's a common thing among pastors of denominations that they take a sabbatical for six weeks. Because pastoring, families. We're, pastor, we're getting out of town this week because it's just, the schedule's been crazy. I get that. I get that. But that should never be who we are when it comes to God and difficult times. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're going to live the crucified life, you are going to have to go through dark days and difficult times. But don't take the narcotics of this world and leave God out of your difficult times. We live in a society to where right now there are believers who should be in the house of God, but because they're going through difficult times, they think the solution is the gall and vinegar of absenteeism from the house of God. And somebody needs to step up and say, when you go through difficult times, you need to be the first person down at the doorsteps of the house of God, and you need to be the first person to say, I'm not going through this difficult time without God. It's almost like we ditch our Bible and we ditch our music, the songs of God. We ditch the grace of God. And that's what Paul was saying. I do not frustrate the grace of God. When I start going and living this crucified life I'm not checking out on God I'm going to get right in the middle of this grace and what our Lord said was this I don't want to miss one moment of this difficult time I don't want to miss one moment of this burden and this care and this and this anguish and I don't want to miss one moment but how many believers are trying to live the Christian life but not the crucified life ladies and gentlemen that's why believers Turn to booze. And that's why believers turn to somebody else. And we have believers right now that when they hit the difficult time, this difficult time, give me all the narcotics you can give me because I don't want to feel any of this. 
That is not how the Savior faces difficult times. The Savior faced it. I don't want that gall and I don't want that vinegar because you only give those to people, listen to this, that are going to die. I will remember this trip. <laughs> you got to love that about the Lord. He already knew, I'm coming down off this cross. This is not my end. This is just what I'm going through. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to show you in just a moment that the depth of your Christian life is directly related to your reality when you go through difficult times. Don't drown it out by binge watching on YouTube. Don't drown it out by your music that has nothing to do with God. Don't drown it out by getting drunk. Don't drown it out by getting high. Don't drown it out by getting away from God's people and getting away from God's house. Well, maybe I just need a break from life. You need a break from life, but not God. Oh, my friend, when do we live the crucified life? When do we stop running to the world solutions? And maybe if I watch that Hallmark movie, it'll make me forget it. Maybe if I watch that, it'll make me disappear. You don't need to disappear because the next journey of your level with God is directly related to what you do right now during the difficult times. And I'm afraid we're living with people that they don't live in reality. This is not reality. Reality is when you say, I'm not backing up on God. And my Savior. I don't want it. Because I want to remember every step. You only give strong drink, Proverbs 31, 6, unto him that is ready to perish. He wasn't ready. This was not the downslope. This was the second step on the ladder to ascension. And if you and I want to live the crucified life, then we must face reality with no narcotics. Face reality and stay close to God. I asked the gentleman to put up a couple of verses on the screen because I want us to look at them. Hebrews chapter 4. If you'll go there, Hebrews chapter 4, and look at verse number 14. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 14. This is why. You say why. I have three verses to show you this morning with three reasons why you, you need to face it. Dad, listen to this. Come back to church tonight. Don't tip God this morning. Get back in the house of God. Mama, that headache you have from the stress of life doesn't need another aspirin in a dark room. It needs an aspirin in a very light auditorium. Let's get to the house of God. We're not living in reality. My kids are disappointing me. So I'm going to stay away from God. This is not reality. Can a preacher say that on Sunday morning? This is not reality. This is not reality. Living the crucified life is when you step up to a difficult time and you say this, I don't want to be high. I don't want to be knocked out. I don't want to be out of it. I just don't want to sleep it off. I want to go through it. Because there's a reason why we have to go through this. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Seeing then we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God. Let us what, please? Whoo! 
Hold it fast. I know it's such a simple thing, but you listen to this. You gotta hang in there, no matter how difficult it is, and hold it fast. Be like Christ on the cross. I am not coming down. I am not gonna run. I am not gonna call 12 legion of angels. I'm not gonna use my get out of jail free card. Well, pastor will understand if I'm not there, and pastor will understand this. Pastor may understand, but a Christ who died on an old rugged cross and spit out the narcotics just to be there for your sin, and he went through everything, he does not understand. I am telling you, the mental health of believers and the spiritual health of believers is on trial right now because we don't know how to go through difficult times. You know how you go through it? Knowing this, you've got a high priest that has passed into the heavenlies. Look at verse 15. Look at this for we have not a high priest which cannot be what please touched with the well, look at that the what of our but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without what please that's why he wouldn't take the narcotic he wanted to walk every step of every dark day so that when you and I have a dark day we have somebody to run to that has been there I've never been in many of your situations. I have never been in your dark days. And you can lay claim to this. Well, you don't understand what I'm going through. I don't. But you'll never say that to the Lord Jesus Christ. You can say that to your therapist. You can say that to your counselor. You can say that to your pastor. You can say that to your best friend. You can say that to the arms that wrap around you. But you'll never walk into the presence of God. And you'll never walk into the presence of Jesus Christ. And say, you don't understand what I'm going through. Oh, my friend, he didn't take the pill of the day. He didn't take the narcotic of the day. Why? Because he wanted to identify with you. Let's go to the second verse, I, Philippians 3.10. Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 10. I love this verse. Oh, I love this verse. That I may know Him. Look at it. That I may know Him. And what please? And the power of His what? He wants to identify you with victory. When you know him, guess what you're going to know? I'm on the winning side. When you know him, you're going to know this. There, there is the rumbling in the earthquake, and that stone's going to roll away. But would you look at the next thing found in that verse? You were too quick. That I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the... Uh, the, the what? Fellowship on the mountaintop. Fellowship after the resurrection. Oh no. Fellowship of what please his. Let me tell you something. The reason he would not take that gall and that vinegar on the cross was because he knew that there would be fellowship. And he did not want to be the savior that would sit down with you in your dark day and say, I, I don't know what to tell you. The last thing I remember was the anesthesiologist saying count backwards from 10. 10, 9, 8. Have you ever met anybody that's had surgery? Your surgery? How many has had back surgery? Raise your hand. You've had back? I've had back surgery. Let's talk about our back surgery. Listen to this. 
we don't remember the details of that surgery. When you finally realize, if you haven't realized yet, when you had back surgery, you didn't lay flat on your back. Some of you are like, no, nah, really? Yeah. They didn't crawl underneath the gurney like a mechanic does. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. When I had back surgery, Judy Gabucci was the nurse in the operating room. I will not go into details, but Judy Gabucci walked in and she said, you will. And I said, I am not. She said, you are. And I said, no, I'm not. And when I woke up from that surgery, I did. And going into that operating room, Judy Gabucci said, you are going to, and I said, no, 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 no. You may do this to all your other patients, but that one thing is not happening to me. Nada. And all she did was through that cap <laughs> and that mask, she just, those eyebrows just went up and that devilish, and I'm thinking to myself, I am in trouble. Nobody tells Judy Gabucci no. Listen. You and I don't remember the details of the surgery, the knife, the blood. Are y'all getting sick yet? But when, <laughs> Eric, I'm sorry. But when you're going through difficult times, when you come to the Savior and say, here is what I'm going through. He says, I was wide awake for that. I know what you went through. The greatest thing about comfort from the Lord is it travels with you on the inside. It goes with you. And lo, I am with you always. Even unto the where ends. Let me tell you, he lives on the inside of you. And this is why the crucified life is the crucified life that when you hit a difficult time, you then have to turn and you have to run to the only solution that can identify with your problem, and that is the Lord. That is the Lord. We have great doctors in this world. We got some phenomenal medicines that will regulate your blood pressure. It will regulate your heart. It will, it will regulate things. It will give you a normalcy of life, but I am afraid that that is one discussion, but there's a lot of believers that can't handle difficulty and they substitute God. Why? The last set of verse that I want to show you, if you go back to Matthew chapter 27, if you're not already there, this is, this is, this is it. This is it. This, this, this is, I think, and I started out the sermon, I told you the power in this room that this world needs to see the power. If you'll look at this, Matthew chapter 27 and we walk through, and we come down to verse number 54. Now when the centurion and they that were with him, Proverbs 27, 54, and it's even on the screen. Now when the centurion and they that were with him, say the next two words. Excuse me? Watching Jesus. There is somebody watching your difficult time right now. The crucified life is a life when you realize everything I'm going through right now, somebody's watching me. 
I'm afraid that when we as adults face difficult times and we don't come to church, we don't read the word, we don't sing the praises of God, we don't act honorably, that there's little people watching us. They are watching us. And what happens is, is that they will imitate us when we go through difficult times. Hey, I know this is Sunday morning, but I'm speaking truth to you right now. Because I think all of us need to understand this. Living the crucified life is not living the crucifixion life. Living the crucified life is to say this. I'm going to face difficulties time and time again. I'm going to face difficulties. And when I face difficulties, and all of a sudden I realize that this is the hour. This is what is in God's will for my life. And I'm yielding God to whatever you want. And these difficult times, and they include betrayal by friends and And now you recognize living the crucified life is not when you see the the soldiers as the enemy or Judas as the enemy. But these difficult times, I'm not going to burn bridges while I go through them. But the big thing is this. When you face difficult times, don't drink the narcotic. Stay fully aware. But where do you go? You go to the grace of God. Why? Why? They're watching. Look what it says there. Watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done and feared greatly, saying, truly, this was the what, please? Son of God. I'm, I'm coming to you this morning telling you this. This crucified life that we are to live, not in the flesh, Galatians 2.20, but by the faith of the Son of God, it's necessary because people are watching you. I will say this in closing. All of us have failed. All of us have failed. I'm standing before you preaching a sermon on living the crucified life, and all of us have failed. But let's get back up and let's determine that I'm not going to run from the reality of what's going on. I'm going to go to Jesus Christ. Hey, difficulty in dark days, does it not make all of us second guess? It does. You, you face a difficulty and it goes, okay, so is this even worth it? Is this even worth it? Listen, yes. Because Christ knew it's worth it. You and I are sitting here right now, the recipient of the grace of God, because Jesus Christ went to Calvary, went beyond the cross, resurrected. Next week, we're talking about the resurrection. He lives. And there's a world watching you, and they see that things bad have happened to you. They're they're waiting to see what, what is the real you. The real you is not found when the stimulus check hits the bank. Ooh. The real me is not when you tithe off that stimulus check. The the real you is not when you get that raise. The real you is when you're going through difficult times and that ability to turn to the grace of God. Mm, When you face it. Three things about the grace of God. It's found in the word of God. It's found in the people of God. 
and is found in the songs of God. Hey, get in the grace. Stay in that grace. And what you're going to find out, the difficult times you're going through right now are temporary. They're temporary. But you're not done. you got more to come. Learn the art of living the crucified life. Heavenly Father, Lord, as I, again, I know this is such a short time we have here. But Lord, I'm asking that, Lord, you would just do something in our midst. And God, maybe there's someone in this auditorium that does not know you as their Savior. Maybe they have tried to go through difficult times and Right now, they know the reason I can't do this because I'm not saved. I don't know you. Christ, maybe they don't know you as their Savior. Lord, I pray that on this day that they would humble their heart and that they would know you want to save them. For the believer that's here this morning, maybe they've not lived the difficult times without escape. May they renew their heart to thee. Their heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're here today and you do not know Christ as your personal Savior, if you're trusting in anything that you do to get you to heaven, this is not salvation. It's not. You're here today and maybe there's never been that time that you put your faith in Jesus Christ. Then you need to do that today. There'll be pastors at the end of the aisle. And I'm asking you and begging you, would you please come to Christ? Please come to Christ. Here in just a moment, Brother John's going to sing the invitation song. And as he sings the invitation song, if you do not know Christ as your Savior, then would you come? Would you come? I'm going to be standing down here in the center aisle. I would love to have somebody take the Bible and show you how to do that. Dear Christian, I think it's time for us to make a commitment to the Lord. I'm, I'm not going to escape. I'm not going to, I'm not going to run from difficult times, but God, I'm going to run closer to you. More Bible. More songs about Him. More time in prayer. More more because we've got to make it thank you for being with us during this service my prayer is always as i study that god would use his word to speak to people's hearts and may you have a good day a good week please know that if we can do anything for you here at emmanuel all you have to do is let me know god bless you my friend have a wonderful day